Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I am what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. It's episode five. This week, we're going to be covering week three of the baseball season. And, uh, you know, actually some pretty exciting stuff happened this week in, uh, in this week in baseball. You know, what some things we want to talk about today, we're going to start off by, you know, going over round two of the new heated rivalry in baseball, the Padres and the Dodgers series. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the dominance of Jacob deGrom and how he is off to a elite, almost no other pitcher has ever done this kind of start that he's, he's doing right now. We want to talk about, of course, the Oakland A's and their magical 13-game winning streak. And this, of course, rounded out you know, with pitching. We want to go over the Brewers' new three-headed monster. But I want to start right here with Alex. What are some, uh, w- w- what's a good area we should start off at? I think, I think uh, to do justice to what we just saw this weekend, we got to start with Padres-Dodgers. Um, easily, I, easily. We just witnessed four straight games of exciting baseball, two really exciting teams with... Uh, not only not only really high talent and you know high ceilings, but um, you know maybe a little bit surprising. I feel like almost every game the starters all like really did work. They really kind of had like almost like kind of pitching duels for a good chunk of the game, and then like late game there's like a lot of run scoring, a lot of excitement. It was it was it was an absolutely amazing series to watch, and it really was. And that's why I mean, starting off tonight, we're starting this podcast at nine thirty tonight on Sunday night. Uh, April twenty fifth went into extras on the Sunday night game, so we had to make sure to watch that before we could even start the podcast. But um, we wanted to give you guys the full kind of you know spectrum of the whole entire series, and and you know started it very exciting on Thursday night, and then finishing of course Sunday night baseball um, national program game tonight. And uh, I mean, what a game it was tonight! What uh, what really kind of caught your eye with this series? Um, you know, as a second time around. I do think that, like I said earlier, the pitching was really good from both sides. I think all the stars have been impressive, you know, uh, to sort of isolate a player and uh, kind of target on, like, someone who's really impressive this series. You can't help uh, but mention Tatis. He had an absolutely, you know, electric uh, series. And I think you actually have some things you want to say about that, so go ahead. Yeah, no, it's funny because he was actually going to highlight me with, you know, when we look at winners and losers of the week, Tatis was my guy for the winner of the week. I looked back at the series. He came into Friday night's game uh, with two home runs on his on his on his 2021 campaign. Right. Right now, coming out of Sunday night's game, he is now tied in MLB for home runs, and he is now you know tied. I think I think eight eight players are now tied for the home run lead. Tatis is one of them. Had five home runs in three games. Just went on an absolute monstrous roll the last three games. And I know one of the games, uh, there's there's been some, you know, Twitter beef rolling around with a lot of big it right time. now. And so big we want to cover that, of course, as well as being kind of like the big news story, of course, coming out the last couple of days. Um, you know, Tatis, unbelievable. He had a little bit of a shoulder injury, you know, starting off the season. 
but has really picked it up. And we see now, you know, he is really earning the money that he was given in, yeah. in, in the offseason. I, I think I think starting off that season, he did have the shoulder injury. At one point early on, like maybe 10 games in, his average was like 0.1 something. And I, I think a lot of people might have been prisoner of the moment and are like, okay, did this guy really earn that money? You yeah. know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, you know, if, if you were doubting him before, I think he may have, uh, you know, put you in check this week. I do think that, uh, you know, maybe the hype is going to swing too far this time and he'll get overhyped again. But, you know, that's the way it goes with, you know, these kind of rising and falling trends. But, you know. And when you're the most high, you know, m- most most paid, played, paid, played. <laughs> you're good. When you're the highest You'll get paid baseball player, you know, at that age right now, um, you're going to get a lot of you know, heat from the media, from the fans that, that, you know, can you produce, um, and can you produce in what his, his contract free, can you produce for the next 13 plus years yeah. of your contract? And, and the big moments too, like tonight he had a men on base, yep, yep. uh, single with, you know, I believe it was the ninth inning. Ninth I'm inning, to ninth inning was, a, was a big part of the comeback. I know when they got a couple string, stringed a couple hits together, uh, he came through big and, and yeah, I mean, he was a big instrumental part in that comeback. Yeah. Um, it was a really, really fun series to watch. I think that, uh, you know, some people may hesitate to call it a rivalry since the Padres have not really been as historically relevant as the Dodgers. Obviously, you know, that goes without saying. But I think the way, the way both teams are shaping up, it just feels like they're swinging punches back and forth. Like it the, really the, is. The Dodgers really take is. a game or they take the they take a series two two games to one like a few weeks ago. And it swings the other way now. And now the Padres had a really good series. They had some sneaky wins, you know. They're, they're really playing like right now. The away team is uh, is taking full, you know, not taking full advantage, but it is it is making some striking uh, striking comebacks in these games, and it's it's really you know it's really exciting to see that kind of stuff. For sure, yeah. And I, so and so I want to uh, you know of course when when this series you know, one of the big stories I want to talk to you about since I know you are you are big in the Twitter world. And, oh yeah, and, and, and I'm big deep in and, it, and deep in the Twitter world and, and finding the stories. Let's get a little bit deeper into this Bauer Tatis beef that we have been yeah. seeing for the past 24 hours. So, uh, for anyone who might not know, Trevor Bauer, uh, who was the kind of the big signing of the offseason, Dodgers starting pitcher uh, as of this year, broke a record for a single season uh, contract. Next season, he's going to make, I believe, $45 million, which is an insane amount of money for a uh, you know a starting pitcher. But, you know, uh, hats off to him. Ridiculous amount of money, he, I'll say. And, and, and this this was, of course, earned off his 2020 National League Cy Young, which even in his own Twitter bio, he says Mickey Mouse Cy Young. He kind of acknowledges that it was a shortened season. It is not, you know, as of similar merit as a full season Cy Young. But, you know, he used it to cash a check. So, uh, you know, that that's 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 his uh, that's his business, not mine. Anyways, uh, he's big in the Twitter world himself. And Definitely. he loves to engage with media, mm-hmm. kind of be a troll. He likes to kind of embarrass other players and try to make fun of them. Mm-hmm. He tries to make stories, essentially, storylines. So uh, earlier in the season, he was trying to close one eye and strike strike a batter out. Which that was uh, that was spring training. I think I, I right? think spring training as yep. well as his first game in the in the of the season. That's right. That's right. And so, just kind of going for that is such an interesting. Like I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to like you know. He's trying to make make headlines and like you know, you gotta, I, I can be I can beat you with one eye closed. I can beat you at fifty percent, pretty much. What he's right. Saying. I I only need one eye to see the strike zone, and I can still punch you out. That's it's it, it's ballsy, and it's you know it, if and he he got strikeouts. I think I think the first time I tried, he actually beamed the batter or something like that, which is like, right. That's right. which is kind of funny. But he didn't end up getting a strikeout with the eye closed, pointed to his eye, kind of made a big deal out of it. He's got some Twitter Twitter likes for that one, but then Tatis 
uh, you know, he, I'm sure he's well aware of what's going on with that. And so when he rips a homer off Bauer, as he's going from first to, to second, he looks over at his dugout and closes one eye and does a little shimmy. And he knew very well what he was doing. And uh, actually, not not only Tatis though, when he came in, the manager, I think Jace Tingler came in and he put a uh, hand over his eye, saying, yeah. "You know, right on too." I mean, yeah, I mean, the, they the, they want to keep this rivalry staying heated and hot right now. Right, and then and then Tatis' second homer of that night. This is this is all happening uh, yesterday on Saturday. Tatis, uh, I believe when he or maybe this was two was it two days ago. This was this was Saturday night. Yeah. Okay. And this is the second homer off Bauer. And then the second homer off Bauer, he he walks past home and he does a little McGregor walk like Bauer mm-hmm, did during mm-hmm, his Cy Young mm-hmm. campaign. Uh, in 2020 and, and just seeing that and seeing the way Tatis not only was like really uh leading his team offensively he also was sort of being that emotional leader that like kind of psychological leader trying to kind of get into Bauer's head he gave him the lead with the home run and then he does a little uh, mental damage as well yeah with the uh with the little taunt uh, as he walked home and then uh you know Bauer actually in the post game I gave him a lot of props he was saying how he um he essentially likes what Tatis did. He thinks it's good for the game to have like these personalities sort of going back and forth. He said he will never complain if someone taunts him back. You know, I respect the fact that he's willing to take it since he can dish it. Um, but then another storyline kind of spun out of all this. And on that second home run, Travis, uh, that he hit out, a video kind of surfaced of Tatis trying to take a peek at uh, the catcher's signs. That's right. That's which right. Uh, Bauer and uh, manager uh, Dave Roberts, both in a pregame to tonight, they both were saying how they really thought it was like uh, not right for baseball, kind of a bad baseball move. They were both saying that, you know, like uh, it'll have to be noted. And it was interesting when when uh, Dave Roberts said like, oh, well, it's going to be noted. And then someone asked him, oh, are you saying you're going to have your catcher like try to be more sneaky? And he's like, no, that's not what I mean. So it sounds like he's like trying to like tell the league about it or something. I'm not sure what his aim is. I don't know what the rules yeah. say, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's obviously an odd situation, but nonetheless, um, just the fact that I actually watched a, a John boy video today. Uh, and it looked to me like on a second watch that when Tatis looked, the signs were already gone, which is actually kind of unique. Mm. I don't know if you saw that, but the signs were already gone by the time, uh, by the time Tatis looked down, but he probably did see the catcher shifting outside. And of course the slider came, or maybe a cutter came mm-hmm. outside half. Tatis was able to actually reach out, extend, and still pull the ball, got the home run. So there's some chipping back and forth about that. And then w- when Bauer kind of uh, ridiculed Tatis on Twitter for saying that, oh, you have to steal the pitches, blah, blah, blah. Tatis yep, just yep. commented with a picture of himself holding a baby with Bauer's face <laughs> photoshopped, which is just kind of a kind of a nice little own. But uh, I, I really love the fact that these two teams are both engaging. They're both, um, you know, having a nice back and forth, not only with their play, but with their like sort of attitude. I think it's going to be great for baseball. I really hope they meet in, in, in October. I think it's going to be super of course, fun of course. to watch a playoff match like NLCS style matchup with uh you know these two National League juggernauts definitely and I and I honestly I, I think to myself too we haven't really seen almost a rivalry a rivalry just like this since I feel like you know the early Red Sox Yankees of the early 2000s I when, agree with that That's when good. you had you know you had Jeter and you had Marlon Rivera and then you had on the on the Red Sox side you had you know Manny Ramirez and, and Big Poppy. You saw those teams, you know, in in the 2003 ALCS and the way Aaron Boone walked that series off. Um you and then you look at 2004 and how history was made and then you kind of see like a shift and you know maybe that's how you know we're going to see this story and how it's going to be written off. You see the 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 
Dodgers pretty much just own the division. And then you have this this kind of this small market little brother team come and kind of take it from them. Maybe that's going to be the way that, you know, this story is written. And the rival right now is fierce and it's great for baseball. I'm not saying it's not. I think it's honestly so much fun to have these two powerhouses kind of going and, at it right now. And the thing is, like, some some people may say, oh, it's not a rivalry. There's, like, no history there. And I agree with you with that. Like, Yankees and Red Sox had tons of history kind of leading into definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. But the way that the Yankees and the Red Sox really did not like each other, they're very chippy, you know, even to this day, A-Rod and Big Poppy, they'll be friendly, but they'll always make jokes like, oh, Yankees, oh, Red Sox. Yeah. That's how it kind of feels with this, like, generation of Padres versus Dodgers. You feel like Tatis and Machado are going to keep being chippy yep. for the rest of their career with these Dodgers yep. players. It's just kind of going to be the vibe, and I think it's awesome. And I think they're super, you know, it's, it's it is, like we said, it's good for baseball. Easily. And what, and what added to the story is great is you have Darvish, a guy who pitched for the Dodgers, who I think, right. you know, Dodger fans probably hate two guys, and that's Machado and that's Darvish, because both those guys really squandered and wasted their World Series opportunities. You know, Darvish lost Game 7 to the Astros and just had an atrocious game. Right. You saw Machado when they played the Red Sox in the 2018 World Series not really even have a good postseason. It was kind of just almost ever a wasted... Since, ever since he went to the Dodgers, he kind of yeah. had a, a rough time. And, 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 and MLB and also Dodger fans were like, you know, this guy is really kind of just wasting opportunity. He's, he's being chirpy off the field. We don't really want that. We want we came here to win a World Series, and now we're going to get, of course, swept. Not swept, I'm sorry, but you know, lose for the second straight year. Um, and so seeing both those guys on the other side is definitely adding more fuel to the fire. And then, of course, you add Blake Snell, someone who shut the Dodgers out last year um, and then shut them down in game six until the manager for the Tampa Bay Rays pulled him out and yeah. the Reds and the Dodgers so, came back to a so, force rally. Yeah, right. We know Snell has a chip on his shoulder and he does want to prove to the Dodgers still that like, oh, I can get you guys down again. Maybe my coach will leave me in this time. And, you know, Definitely. I'm sure they want to, I, I just know they want to meet at least the Padres. No, I know yeah. the Padres do want to take their chance at the big brother and try to become the alpha. The Dodgers still, you look at the lineup and you look at you look at you know all the bats and you look at all the pitching and you have to favor the Dodgers. I think kind of without question. Yes. Yes. Uh, just on the whole, but in a seven-game series, ooh, it's going to be so fun. Either team can win. You have to. Admit it it that. really is, and I you know it's funny because I really don't know if they would even meet for a seven-game series because I know right now with baseball they're having the wild card team. You're right. Play the first place team, and so we would probably see this team in an NLDS. But I know fans would say. You know, we, we of course we want to see this in, in an NLCS because of course right now these are the two best teams in the NL competing right now. You're right. Actually, that's a very good point that these teams probably will not be able to even meet in the CS, um, which is I guess a bit unfortunate. But you know, it's still going to be a sort of battle where you know at least we'd get the home, home field stadiums and, and unlike playing in Texas, we'd get at, actually you know we we definitely I think we'd get five games out of this series and, 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 and getting and getting the fans involved. Oh, like that's just going to be such a fun series to watch. Like uh, you know, just you know every time that every time you see Machado and Tatis in Dodger Stadium, you hear the boos roar. Yep. Same yep. for vice versa. All the Dodger players in uh in San Diego, it's 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 a very lively uh, environment. So it really is. And you know, I, I, one thing I want to go back to is the um, they's talking about you know the Bauer and the Tatis issue, and going back to that that second home run that Tatis hit, and it was I mean. What a crazy pitch. He took a ball that was probably about three inches outside. Right. And Breaking away. It. Right. And it was, I mean, it was a towering shot. I mean, how much power you got to have to get around on that and, and hit that one out of there. One thing I want to go back to is, you know, it's funny because, you know, for me, you know, playing baseball in high school and college, you know, one thing I always did whenever I was up looking, you know, you know, whenever you have a, a catcher that might not have the best experience or the best knowledge, 
you know, sometimes hitters, they'll actually take a peek back and sometimes sometimes catchers, they'll they'll throw the signs out. You know, you want to keep the you want to keep the signs a little bit by your crotch. You want to keep right. it you want to keep it close. Keep it hidden. And you want to keep your legs closed so no one can see it. You can't see signs from either dugouts. You want to keep those things hidden. Sometimes catchers will put those things out and sometimes a good hitter might look in and he might he might set up early when you're kind of, you know, doing your thing in the batter's box, doing your 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 you know normal routine routines the, yeah and and you might see you know a one or a two and you might know okay man this is going to be a fastball so um i will say too that sometimes good baseball players and good hitters will check the catcher and see you know maybe they're they're getting a little lazy behind the plate and also one thing i will say some catchers it's funny they will they will spot up and they'll go inside or they'll go outside before they even make the pitch. And so you might have a catcher that literally will say, you know, it's going to be an outside pitch. I'm just going to set up outside and then I'm going to put my fingers down. As a hitter, you're looking back and you're seeing, okay, the catcher's spotting up on the outside corner. This is going to be somewhere in the outside corner. So maybe I got to, you know, wait on this and go oppo. Right. Um, I think that's something that Tatis was looking at and maybe mm -hmm. he caught, I think it was Smith. Will Smith might have been catching that game, and um, he might he might have caught him off guard and said, you know, you're setting up way too early, and some bad catchers will do that, and then it sucks because the pitcher's going to pay, and so right. that, that that is something that of course I wanted to point out because uh, I see that all the time, and it's it's definitely it's I, to me it's nothing like the Astros or the Red Sox when you talk, when you talk about science stealing. When you talk about using video evidence to kind of like make that right. kind of stuff that will happen, but I it, don't think it's against the rules of baseball. Not at all. In, I, I mean, I, Dave all. Roberts can maybe you know he can maybe you know yell at MLB for this kind of stuff, but hey, you, I mean, my thing is is if a catcher is is you know giving out the signs it, early, it's almost like getting caught slipping, kind of. You, you just, see, and, and, you know, it's funny. You see good catchers like Molina, and, and and you see them kind of give the sign, and then right when the pitcher comes set, that's when you see them move to either the outside or the inside of the of the home plate area. Right. And so it's something that I, I like to always look at and, and you know, analyze, of course, when, when you're looking at these kind of plays because, of course, Bauer's going to come at him and say, you know, oh, thanks for stealing my sign. But what, what, what kind of, what, what, what you're thinking uh, about that? Yeah, I think uh, I even see sometimes some uh, really experienced catchers or maybe some tricky catchers. Sometimes they'll almost like, you think maybe it was a wild pitch, but I think sometimes intentionally they'll kind of line up one way and they know the pitch is coming the other way and it's almost kind of a fake out. Like I do know that it happens sometimes. So I, th I think that there's like a whole extra element there in terms of catcher value in terms of like, you know, obviously it's really hard to evaluate how important a catcher is because they can really raise the ceiling of a, of a, of a rotation and stuff. So I think having a good catcher that, you know, lines up uh, in a, you know, deceptive way can frame really well, does all these kind of, you know, kind of, uh, extra things uh outside of like you know more of like mental things i think it really raises the you know i guess a pitching performance so definitely definitely, uh, definitely. Tatis took advantage of that and uh it made for a really exciting uh moment there it really made him and you know what i'm gonna move into something else that's something that's really exciting yeah and i got two words for you what's that it's jacob de gram wow talk about exciting right there let's start that's with a you. man i know you are a big fan of him i want to start with you and just kind of you know go over what Basically, what you've seen, and um, you know, he's probably made he's made four starts already in April, and he's probably gonna make one more start in April to kind of you know create and to to finish this month of just just a monster immortality. I right? Mean, unbelievable what he's been able to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So currently, Travis, I have uh, Jacob Degrom's game logs pulled up on Baseball Reference. And what I see is just a, I mean, it's a stretch of four games. So four games is not a crazy amount. But in terms of starting a season like this, I do feel like 
there's no way we just can't like just praise this guy. It, it's a, it's an definitely, unreal it's definitely. an unreal stretch. So as we've discussed before, his opening opening outing uh, was a six innings pitched, uh, no earned runs allowed, with seven Ks, seven Ks through six. Then they pulled them. It was his first start of the season, so they probably didn't want him to get his pitch count too high. Only seventy seven pitches. He ended up getting uh, a no decision, and this team ended up losing that game. Uh, his second game, eight innings pitched, one earned run allowed, which was a solo home run by I believe uh, Jazz Chisholm, and it was just like a, uh, it was just like he kind of anticipated a high fastball, just pulled it, yeah. out of the park. Um, he, he's given up quite a few, you know, huge, huge long balls. Of course, you know when it, when you're pitching nine nine hundred miles an hour, you're going to give up four hundred foot shots, right? But being able to limit all that kind of stuff and only give up that sort of hit and, you know, not give up little, little dumpers or bloopers in the outfield. It, it just show, you know, it's just showing how what impressive he's, what he's able to do, right? what he's able to do. So, so in that second game, like I said, it was eight innings pitched one earned run allowed 14 strikeouts through eight, which is just, a, it, it's becoming more common for the pitchers to get these kind of strikeout numbers, but that's really an incredible, uh, you know, incredible number to reach. Um, so after two games, his ERA was 0.64, which is really impressive. His next outing is in Coors Field in, in Colorado against the Rockies, which we all know is susceptible to long balls. Uh, it's really easy to kind of, you know, hit it in the gap, might get a triple because that ball just carries to the wall. Yep. Uh, on, being, on, and on being, a being like 360 down both lines and then centers like 415. And then there's like a four. 410 like left center gap and the, the, I mean the, the in play is just it's a massive outfield out right. there right and so w- with that factored in I'm looking actually he was credited with no earned runs I know he gave up a home run I believe but it must have been in an inning where uh, errors prevented the inning from ending or something like that you're right you're so right. um we're looking at six innings pitched with three runs allowed but no earned runs earned runs not a perfect stat you know but uh just kind of based on how he did you look at 14 strikeouts through six and his ERA lowers down to 0.45 after three starts. And in his most recent start this last week, Travis, we saw an uh, absolute masterpiece. Nine innings pitched, two hits allowed, 15 strikeouts. His ERA on the season is now down to 0.31. He threw 109 pitches, got the complete game W. There's nothing but... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I'm I'm kind of wishing this was last year. I mean, right now we we'd be in almost month one of months of a of a two month season, and we'd see this kind of pitching performance. I mean, yeah, it's like where it, is this ending up? It, is it, it, st- it would be. I mean, of course, you're looking at the shortened season and the, and the low sample size. But I mean, wow, it, it is it is apparent that this guy is the best pitcher in the game by far. It, it, it's truly remarkable uh, these kind of numbers. But Charles, you know. Diving into these Degrom numbers, obviously he's you know one of one in the league. He's just an absolute, just uh, you know he's a phenom. But uh, I wanted to kind of go through some other pitchers right now, Travis, that are definitely putting together some really remarkable starts to the season. I picked about you know a handful of guys that have impressive numbers, and also I think are guys who have like the sort of uh, uh, the upside, I guess, to kind of continue their uh, you know great start throughout the season. These are guys who I kind of anticipate to be in sort of Cy Young race towards the end. We'll kind of see how it pans out. But these are all guys who I'm sure you've probably heard their names. Uh, I'm going to start out with Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, the Cy Young la- last year, he's a guy who um, uh, I always think of Shane Bieber, I think of strikeouts. Uh, he's just a big-time strikeout guy. I think 
last year, uh, his strikeout total. I don't have the number in front of me, but it was it was not only leading the league, but in terms of like a sixty game season, like it was on pace to just break records. It was like a really remarkable. Yeah, 100, um, 122 strikeouts in uh in seventy seventy-seven point one innings pitched um last season in twelve starts. So if I'm not mistaken, averaging almost I mean about ten strikeouts a game last season. If I'm not mistaken, his uh, strikeouts per nine innings was the best of all time in uh in twenty in twenty twenty. If I'm not mistaken, best single season all time. Obviously, shortened season. You you know how do you factor in a short season in terms of all time ranks? But the fact that you're leading in strikeouts per nine innings in terms of all time any season ever that's obviously like really remarkable. Definitely. Is. Anyways, uh, so the Bieber's had a uh, five starts this season. Uh, his ERA is currently sitting at 2.48. And then just this week, he threw 119 pitches in an absolute duel he had with Garrett Cole. That's right. Against a really good Yankees offense, allowed just two earned runs. But he did get nine Ks, which is actually a season low. This season, he in uh, in five starts, he has 12, 12, 11, 13, and then nine Ks. Really impressive strikeout guy. I really like what I'm seeing from Bieber. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, and I remember last week, or maybe maybe it's earlier this week, I know against the Reds, he had a really impressive game. I think that was the 13 strikeout game. Um, did, did it say he went about nine innings or eight innings? Eight innings, yeah. Eight innings, okay. I remember, I remember just seeing the recaps on that. I mean, it, it looks like he's really getting back to, you know, his 2020 form. I remember in the in opening day, he gave up that that snowball home run to uh, Miguel Cabrera, right. and of course the Indians lost that game, and it was kind of a it was kind of a funky game because I mean the weather of course plays a big role in that stuff, and I feel bad for pitchers sometimes because you know pitching in the cold is nothing you know nothing special, and then of course when you're having you know <laughs> white flurries in front of you, that's always going to be a huge distraction, and and getting you know pitches to break a certain way, it's always going to be tough, but. I mean, it's apparent that he is really, you know, rising to his status right now. Um, certain guys in MLB have him right now, and I, I'm, I mean, Bieber right now is really showing, you know, the world that you know he belongs in, in that in that elite of the starting pitching staffs of uh, of Major League Baseball right now. Right, and I believe last year he tied Nolan Ryan's record for most strikeouts through four games, I believe, and it was a 48 strikeouts through four games which is a crazy number mm -hmm. i actually have uh i think someone might have just broke and that this just this week through four games uh jacob de our guy 50 k's through four games new record just incredible 15 strikeouts averaging per game he's pitched already i mean that is just i mean i, I can't i can't even imagine that i mean that that's that's it's, just insane it's it's really it's really crazy um uh, the fact that you know Bieber has such a great year last year and Degrom so far is on pace to be better. Uh, obviously, long season ahead. We'll see how Degrom fares, but obviously, a really remarkable start from him. Already breaking records for four games in. Uh, another guy who I want to highlight. Shout out to you because uh, you know ex Gaucho. That is right. Shane Bieber is always going to be my boy, UCSB alum. Uh, mad respect for him. Go Gauchos. But uh, uh, another guy who's really breaking records right now and kind of you know. Uh, Kind of guy has everyone uh, buzzing about him is Corbin Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Corbin Burns is a guy who had a really kind of breakout 2020, yep. and no one really knew if that was gonna you know persist or not. You know, it's hard to evaluate 60 games. How much of that is gonna like, continue to 2021? And well, in Corbin Burns' case, guys, it's continuing into 2021 because he has been on an absolute roll. The big thing noting on him is. He's only pitched through 6.1 innings. That's his most he's pitched in a game. But what you have to give massive credit to is the fact that he's walked zero batters thus far, Travis. He currently is sitting at 
40 strikeouts on the season and has allowed zero base on balls. One earned run allowed. His ERA is down to 0.37. Travis, I bet money in this guy in Vegas to win the National League Cy Young. I think DeGrom is going to steal it from him. But <laughs> he is a very close second right now. And uh, it's... Travis, what are you making of Burns right now? Yeah, I mean, the the walks is, is another... I mean, it's just like the strikeouts for DeGrom. I, I think that is just like a, a mind-boggling stat. You know, I saw something on Twitter a couple days ago, and it was... It was Burns with zero walks, and Javier Baez, the shortstop of the Cubs, plays plays a position and hits. He had one walk on the season. I know it's two different kind of stats, but it's very, very we're, we're interesting gonna be, that we're going to be tracking that. Yeah, very, very different kinds of this of of, of the of the spectrum of baseball. I mean, it, it was just it was yeah, a funny little one, funny little number you saw. Yeah. One guy who's an all star a batter can't seem to draw a base on balls. Yeah. He just has does not have the discipline. <laughs> Meanwhile, Corbin Burns has such elite command right now that he is not walking anyone. Uh, yeah, what he's doing right now is really incredible, and that kind of tra- transitions to his other kind of uh, starting pitcher uh, kind of dynamic duo he has uh, in Milwaukee with Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Woodruff is uh, had a rough first outing, but ever since he's been super good. Only two uh, earned runs in his last three starts, um, and then just today he put together uh, six innings, uh, just one earned. His strikeout numbers are not uh, as crazy as the guys we've previously mentioned, um, but he's been uh, he's just been rolling with a 1.96 ERA. Uh, I've been impressed with him. He's a big reason why Milwaukee's a good team right now. Uh, he and Burns are just gonna prove to be uh, a really impressive uh, force in the NL Central, I believe. I'll definitely say that being a Brewer hitter right now, probably got you got to feel really good when you got him. Right. You got Corbin Burns coming to the mound, and then of course you got your next guy. Freddie Peralta right. coming into the mound as well, who's really kind of burst out onto the scene as a um, as a top notch pitcher. I mean, th- this this three headed monster for the Brewers has just really been a incredible surprise when you know it comes to consistency. So far in April, uh, it, it's it's been very very impressive from what we've seen. Right, yeah. Peralta's a guy who has not really gone deep into games. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Uh, I see two innings because that was a relief appearance, and then I see five, six, five, four innings pitched in his starts. But um, he honestly uh, strikes out at a really high rate. It's been super impressive to watch him um, in these kind of uh, you know. I I think just in terms of a third option for a team, he's just been above and beyond expectations. Um, I think he's you know I think he's great. I actually, have been fantasy and. He's been putting up big time numbers. His ERA is currently sitting at two point four five. As a third option, you're getting elite strikeout numbers. You're getting a two point four five ERA. You can't ask for much more. Definitely, and, and even in teams when they're when they're looking to make a big run into October, you need kind of a three uh, three rotation kind of staff to get you far. Some teams, you know, they'll have two guys that really can carry the load. I mean, those teams are, you know, they they can still win a World Series, but. You need three kind of dogs to just take you to the promised land, and right, right. now, I mean, I mean, the Brewers have it. You got Peralta right now, who literally is having a better ERA than Bauer, the highest paid pitcher um, in in this season and next season in Major League Baseball history. Uh, I, I, it's it's definitely showing that you know it's almost like that money ball concept. They're getting the production from these young guys that are literally getting paid right. uh, pennies on the dollar to these other millionaire pitchers, and it's I mean it's really impressive. I mean, and, and if Yelich can get back to you know that form that he had in 2018 and 19, I mean, who knows what could happen? Team could be Brewers unstoppable. Team, team right, could really yeah. be unstoppable. I, I'm looking at Peralta's numbers right now. Uh, strikeouts per nine innings is 15.5. Currently leads MLB. Terrace 15.5 strikeouts per nine. As a starting pitcher, 
That's yeah, crazy. Mean, that's, that, uh, that, that's, that's crazy. That's stupid. Fifteen point five per nine innings. Just think about that. It's like almost two an inning. You got it. You literally got a guy who doesn't that's walk. Not, it's not you, normal. You got your. You almost have your. You know your big. Your big ace in Woodruff. You got a guy that doesn't walk anyone in Corbin Burns, and then you got a guy that just strikes out the world, and that's Freddie Peralta. Brewers are looking really nice right now to start off the uh, the 2021 season. Right, and then I'm going to kind of switch over to my last uh, guy I wanted to highlight as a really good pitcher. Uh, you can't really do a, an elite pitcher uh, sort of uh, array without including Garrett Cole. He's really just been uh, – he's just the far and away number Garrett two. Garrett Cole, the supposed-to-be Los Angeles Angel, I will say. Uh, unfortunately for Angels fans, he chose to venture uh, – take his talents to New York uh, – and how's it going? How's it going for him so far? I mean, so far the record for the team is not very good. But I will tell you that Cole is producing. It is not in any way on him. Currently, his ERA is at one point seven one. He's really proving his value. Uh, Fifty strikeouts on the year to three walks. That's a pretty crazy ratio in and yes. of itself. He's a thirteen strikeout game, a ten strikeout game, and eleven strikeout game. He's just been. Uh, he's been a workhorse too. He's gone seven innings uh, twice uh, in his starts, and uh, you know. He's really been the number two to Dugram's number one for a good, like maybe three seasons now. Uh, kind of cemented himself as, uh, you know, an absolute ace. Uh, the Yankees, when the bats wake up, uh, I'm sure it'll even help his numbers that much more. But um, yeah, uh, I think the pitching right now is just really worth highlighting. We're seeing some elite performances from pitching, and I guess now we can kind of transition into some things that have not been so elite. Charles, do you have anything in mind? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of my big losers. Uh uh, so far for, you know, week three has been um, Cincinnati Reds. Been on the power rankings for the past couple of weeks, as we've seen from MLB in their postings. Uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly seen that they're kind of dying off now. Uh, seven straight losses. Right. Have not won a game since last Saturday. Uh, that would be April 17th. And that was a 3-2 win against the Cleveland Indians. And then you just kind of went on this really strange just – losing streak you know getting swept by the arizona diamondbacks who's kind of you know they've kind of made a big kind of like push and surprise in the last couple of games but got swept by the diamondbacks and then they get swept by the st louis cardinals right and so right now not looking very good and guess what they start a uh three-game set they start in los angeles tomorrow night against the dodgers so fun. it's not looking like too good right now looks like that seven losses could go to ten losses very, very quickly for the right. Cincinnati Reds. So, you know, it's nothing, you know, it, it's very predictable. I mean, they had, a, they had a very strong push, but I think kind of you're starting to see that that fire. It's, it's fading. The right fire now. starting to die out now. And, of course, you see, you know, the Brewers, of course, still playing very strong. Um, it's early, but I will say it, you can definitely kind of see that fire dying right now. But, I mean, go, I'll go to you and kind of go with what what is, uh, you know, one of your uh, teams that you kind of look at as a loser right now. Well, I guess, you know, I don't want to call them losers because they're my team, but I want to talk about the Angels a little bit. They've, they've had a bit, a bit of a skid, with, uh, to say the least. It's a little hard, but you know what? Travis we, we, and I we, both have some, we have some backup, you know. We, we have some things to talk about. Let's just put definitely, it that way. Definitely. So, so me, me and Travis, big Angel fans, um, we both had them in our top five for power rankings just last week. One week ago, we were saying they're a top five team. They are currently a 500 team, and that's only thanks to a nice clutch win today a 4-2 win over the Astros Dylan Bundy uh ace Dylan Bundy David Fletcher Shohei Otani that's all you got to know about today's game yeah they really put the team on their back those three all uh, you know contributed in a big way but uh just some clutch hitting and some uh overall really good starting pitching uh the the Angels 
unfortunately have had a pretty uh, disastrous skid, uh, starting the season seven and three, currently being, I believe, 10 and 10. Is that right? 10 and 10, yeah, 500 right uh, now. Sort of the victims to a twin series that kind of slowed them down when they were hot. Two games got postponed due to a you know unfortunate COVID outbreak by the twins. And you um, did, and you did hear after you know after after that series was done, and I think it was Monday before the Texas Rangers series started. You saw Madden; he was a little bit upset because he knew, you know, you don't like to see players go on a such a long you know break from right. playing baseball. You know, you get one off day to travel, but getting multiple days off and you're not traveling, you're kind of just waiting, waiting around. You know, not right. really getting life situations. You, that that really is a very bad thing for a hot team, and especially you, when we look in October, when not, you, some teams when they get more, they get a week off in October, it really hurts them when it comes to the next series. Right, and and not only a hot team, but you know. Obviously, yes, the Angels had lots of momentum going into that twin series. They win the first game 10 to 3. Next two games get canceled. It kind of messes up the pitchers. They are kind of expecting to start. They probably were taking bullpen sessions to kind of get in the zone the day before. Turns out, oh, you're not starting today. You're getting pushed back in the rotation. You'll be starting five days from now. It just throws everything off. Uh, these, you know, there's going to be a travel day in there too. So Definitely, that yep. threw them off. But, you know, we can make, you know, Travis, you and I, Talk about this a lot. We can make tons of excuses. The injuries. We could. we could. The injuries. You got Rendon out. You have two. We have two right fielders that are injured. So our first baseman's playing right field. You have the two. And we have a 50-year-old playing first base. We have t- and we'll get into that more later. But I mean, right. right now, we have two of the top 10 MLB players sitting on the pine right now, not right. playing. Mike dealing Trump with just a little bit of nagging injuries. They should be ready to go for tomorrow. But Hope so. Fingers course. crossed. Yeah. Mike Trout missing two games here. The fact that we kind of were able to steal one game... Uh, in of the two games we've been missing trout right now recently that's big um i'm glad we stole one yeah we stole one but uh you know having a lineup without trout and rendon seeing upton i love upton he's been good for us so far he's you know he's had his moments ups and downs he will you know he's had his ups and downs he has good nights and bad but what i will say is i don't want him batting third on our (laughs) team not at all hopefully it's trout or rendon maybe otani on certain nights but uh seeing him bat third and albert batting i believe fifth that's not the lineup that we know puts us in the best spot to win. So hopefully we get healthy. Hopefully we kind of come into the next series with some momentum. Hopefully we can do well against Texas. But I had to highlight, you know, our team, Travis. Hopefully we get Max Stassi back. We get Trout back. We get Rendon back. Lagaris, let's roll. Let's roll so we can catch the hottest team in baseball right now. Who would that be, Travis? Oh, it pains me. It pains me to say the Oakland A's because they are such a team that I... I don't really, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't, I don't respect, I mean, what they do and how they operate, it's kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays. They're not going to have big signings. It's all farm system. I love seeing that, but they're just, of course, there's just a nagging team for the Angels and for the AOS because every single year you kind of review them and you say, they're like a B plus every how year. Is, how is this roster, you know, winning 95 plus games? How right. are they, how are they taking it to kind of the superstars of the AL? And I mean, one in seven start. I was I was thinking, man, thank this is God. our year. This is the start that we need for the Angels, and this is the start we need from the Oaklandese because them and the Astros will be the teams in September who will be pushing us and being on us, or will be on them. So seeing them one in seven was incredible. Yeah, it was a great start for other AOS teams to say, oh, the teams that the team that won first place in the division last year. They're one in seven. This is a huge handicap, a huge one in advantage seven, for us. One in seven, and then waking up this morning, we magically see they're 14 and seven. Winners of 13 straight, the Oakland A's, 
have been on a massive tear. Sadly, though, actually not so sadly, they got handed today by the Baltimore Orioles. Thankfully for Angels fans and probably Astro fans alike, the A's finally came, their streak came to an end. Their streak came to an end, and I was, I mean, I'm more than happy because, of course, we get a dub, Angels get a dub, A's get a loss, so it actually kind of helps us a little bit in the standings so that maybe by the end of April, you know, we're not going to be at this huge gap. Some teams I'm looking at right now, I think like the Detroit Tigers, they're already eight and a half, nine games back. It, that's that's pretty I mean, sad. It, it's already packing up, packing up shop, and you know what? Enjoy the Who's summer. Who's going to be the number one draft pick next yeah, year? Can it, we can we target them? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but the I, mindset. I, I will say that the Oakland A's, um, you know, they, you know, I will say they have been playing teams that have had, you know, been struggling or have been kind of limping. So, you know, I think we talked about last week in the power rankings. The Oakland A's were a team that really was showing some really impressive baseball, but they were not playing, of course, the competition that most teams or the Angels right. have been playing. You know, you look at their past wins, of course, they lost. Before today, their last loss was Thursday, April 8th to the Houston Astros. They ended up winning the series. They won two against Houston. Then they went to Arizona and won two against Arizona. Then they came home and swept the Detroit Tigers in four games. Then they get a break last Monday against the Twins with the whole COVID rule. The Twins are a little skittish because they have players hurt, and also they're dealing with COVID in the right. organization. So they ended up sweeping the Minnesota Twins. Right. And what a, I want to bring this up because what a wild finish. Do you remember that game, the last game of the uh, of the series? That's right. Twins are winning 11-12 in extras, right? In extras and two outs, and I forget who hit the ground ball to. I think it's Louis Luis Arias for the Minnesota Twins. Okay, but Luis Arias fields the ground ball. Looks like the Twins are going to get a win, get out of Oakland with one win. Air mills it over Sano's head at first base, right. and with that foul territory, the, the ball's, ball's going to roll. The ball's gone. It's gone. Everyone it's out of the that that could be an inside the Parker for some people. Anyways. Twins get a kind of a, a crazy win on that. And with these winning streaks, you do need luck like that. You need some sort of oh, crazy air right. to keep the streak alive. Ends the up, baseball God's got to be on your side. Exactly. And so A's end up winning that one. They take an off day. They head to Baltimore. Baltimore, of course, is not the strongest team out there. They easily, you know, handle the Baltimore Orioles on Friday and Saturday. But then again today, you know, that's baseball. Sometimes, sometimes. Winning, winning three games in, 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 on the road is a little bit hard. And so right. they hadn't done that like, at all this season. They had never won three games on the road in a row. So uh, it's interesting. Like, like you said, we're talking about strength of schedule and they've faced some weak teams recently. And, and that kind of rough start they had was at the victim of a, you know, they were the victims of a really hot Houston start, a Houston team that came out of the gates, just absolutely blazing. Uh, they lost four straight to Houston. Then they go have to face LA yep. Dodgers. Yep. Absolute juggernaut of the league, as we all know, as we've discussed many times on the pod. Um, facing Houston, a hot Houston team, as well as the Dodgers, really set them back. And you say, okay, you know, maybe we should have, maybe we should have pumped the brakes on counting them out because they face some really good teams to start off. Definitely. But then now, I think it's also smart that Travis, we're not like sort of getting too overhyped on them. Definitely. Because we kind of are recognizing, okay, when they were doing badly, they were facing good teams, but now they're doing better. They're not playing great teams. So I think. In reality, they're going to land somewhere in the middle. They're going to be in the hunt. They're going to be in the pack. I think I think it's pretty clear that the Astros, the A's, and the Angels all could, on you know, depending on the way the, uh, you know the the game swing, each team has a really fair shot to you know make the postseason um, to to take the division. The Mariners are still sticking around too. I don't want to. I I want to count them out. 
I don't want it to be a mistake. I don't think that they have the same talent as you know the Angels. Not, not A's. yet, at least not not yet. They least. do have yeah. the youth. They have the youth. They and, have, and, and they're definitely a team I am going to be looking at, of course, in in you know twenty twenty three, right to twenty twenty. You know, probably you know the late the latter half of the uh, of the of the twenty twenties and the twenties. And so I, I do believe that right now the Mariners have some. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but an elite bullpen yep. ERA. But yeah. The, the way the Mariners' uh, rotation, or sorry, the way the Mariners' bullpen looks right now, uh, that's something that to me, I imagine won't be super sustainable. I don't think, you know, when your bullpen's just doing amazing and a lot of kind of, you know, more lesser known guys just doing phenomenal, that kind of tells me maybe that won't continue. Uh, maybe that will sort of, uh, sort of revert back to the norm, back to more like a league average bullpen. And if that happens, then I imagine their record will start slipping. So we'll see what happens in the AL West. There's a lot of uh, sort of things up in the air, but we highlighted the A's. The A's are definitely the team to talk about right now in the AL West. Um, and, 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 you know, it's funny, even moving forward, is that, you know, they're starting off a four-game set in Tampa starting tomorrow. So that should be a, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a good test because, of, I mean, according to the record, they have not seen a team – you know, I think that right now the, the Rays are over 500, and so they have not seen a team over 500 um, since the uh, the Astros, you know, in early April. So uh, it'll be an interesting stretch for them to see if they can, you know, compete in that series as well. But, you know, actually I'm going to stay with Oakland because I want to highlight, you know, he's, he's one on the team, and he's also right now one of the one of my losers, of course, for week three. Right. Guy just really does not seem to get off to the start, of course, that he wanted to. And that's Matt Chapman for the Oakland A's, the all-star third baseman. The guy, you know, it's funny. He really isn't really known for, I want to say, his offense. His his offense has always been average to above average, not really going to power you with the average or the on-base. The slugging is going to be somewhere around, you know, decent for a third baseman. But it's all about the glove with him. And so, I really want to highlight that. And when it comes to glove and when it comes to, you know, average to above average hitting, you're going to get a very high war in Major League Baseball. I want to share with you guys right now, Matt Chapman is off to a 0.0 war as of tonight, which is April 25th, almost one one month into the season. And he has not yet achieved 0.1 of a war. And we already yeah, that, have a guy that's, like that's DeGrom, who's already at 2.0. We have a guy like Mike Trout who's already at 1.5. And the, the interesting there is yeah, we're talking baseball reference war and I've always kind of thought baseball reference war was interesting for how much it favors guys like Chapman who are really great at infield defense. Sometimes guys like uh Chapman who play like some really uh, you know, platinum glove level defense, yes. these kind of guys tend to get crazy baseball reference wars like even higher than Mike Trout some years and it's like okay, yes, well, yeah. that, you know, I, you know, based on the eye test, like, you know, I see Trout, he's the best player in the league. To see Chapman rivaling him in war, it's like, okay, well, some, they must really care about defense a lot. But the fact that he, a platinum glove guy, has 0.0 baseball reference war, that means on defense, he's not even really playing up to his potential, up to what we know he can do. So Not at all. Not, not at a good all. start for yeah, him. Not, not um, definitely a good start at all for him. And I know, and of course, highlighting, of course, the hitting. The hitting has always been, you know, it's it's never been special, I'll say. It's he's always been known for, you know, batting, of course, in the middle lineup, the Oakland A's offense and then having the glove that just puts him on the spot. And that's what really kind of makes him a dark horse for the MVP because he has that Brooks Robinson glove. Right. Um, If anything, it it just he has some pop. Not a bad walker, yep. but but the average has never really been you're right, you're uh, right. something to write home about. And looking at the pop, I mean, in 2019, hit 36 home runs. Right. And, you know, 
that that of course was what put him kind of on the map for the MVP. Got six MVP voting that year. Got a gold glove and got a platinum glove. So of course you're going to get a lot of votes from that because you're still you know hitting 36 dingers out of the ballpark. And then of course you're having insane fielding on that half. Um, but so far right now he is leading the AL in strikeouts with 28, and uh, only three home runs on the season right now. So not a great start. Uh, on base, he's never really been a good on base percentage guy. He only has a 264 on base percentage right now, um, and then a 162 average. So, not really, you know, off to the start that he wants. And, and I think I'm really highlighting this guy just because he's uh, he's a part of my fantasy squad. And so, um, not the start that you not, were looking for. As <laughs> not a, what I was looking for as a general guy, manager of, of your team. Not right? looking at that. And that's one reason why I wanted to highlight this guy because you know the, the team is on fire, but you know. I think their their big key piece is you know uh, ice cold right now. And yeah, Travis, you you sort of talking about uh, where Matt Chapman's WAR is at right now at the zero point zero mark. Very unfortunate for him and for you, the fantasy the fantasy manager. But I also want to kind of talk about uh, the ultimate WAR king in our league right now, and that is of course uh, Mike Trout. You know the best player in baseball. Um, any other take is not going to be tolerated on this podcast. We are a, you know, we are a Mike Trout fans uh, to the death. But uh, I kind of want to look at his war right now uh, in terms of position players on, on fan graphs. 1.6 currently leading baseball. Uh, Mike Trout, you know, you look at some guys who start hot, some guys might finish hot. But Trout right now being in the driver's seat for war, I really don't see him taking his foot off the gas. It is a cumulative stat, so... Him missing some games here is hurting him, but he's still leading. He's still leading in Fangraph's war. 1.6 to Acuna in second place with the 1.5. J.D. Martinez for a DH actually being third is really impressive with the 1.3. And Vlade Guerrero Jr. in fourth with the uh, 1.2. But uh, Travis, what have you seen from Chout so far? That's really, you know, kind of proves, you know, I guess his his, his spot on the, you know, king of the hill, king of the mountaintop really by himself. Yeah, I mean... He started, you know, it's funny, looking back at spring training, he really got off to a slow start. I mean, his spring training numbers were not anything special. Uh, batted 282. Still, of course, it's funny how we literally see an average that's still, you know, kind of not, not poor at all, but in his standards is poor. But the on-base is still above 400. I mean, it's just yeah, astonishing walk, that walk king, the walk discipline, king discipline. and getting on base for his team is, is definitely always there slugging though 410 that is nothing that he's ever been near in his career right. he's always a guy that's gonna be slugging 500 550 or more and so his ops in spring training was was uh 815 and um you know this guy is usually sitting around 1000 ops Correct, for yeah. for a season so you know power wise of spring training was a little concerning but you know some of these guys, you like to see these guys struggle, of course, early. In the spring training at-bats, That's it's just about seeing pitches. It's yeah. just about getting plate appearances. And, and he got almost 50 plate appearances in spring training, and that's what you want to see you know, there before was, starting the season. There was tons of talk that he uh, was getting into about uh, him trying to find his swing. It was funny. Early in the season and, and at the end of spring training, we heard like you know quotes of him saying, He's working on some adjustments. I'm trying to figure things out. And we're all kind of like, what's going on there? You know, he's not doing great in spring training. He's working on a swing. What's he kind of talking about? And Travis, I think we kind of have a better idea of what he was talking about now. Because like I said, he's leading the league in war. And not only that, but he's leading the leading the league in uh, uh, OPS, on base percentage plus slugging percentage, with a 1.325 absolutely putting up I mean, I mean, unreal number Babe Ruth Barry Bonds numbers right, right now and 
will that go down? Yeah, but I think noting just how far he is ahead of the pack, he's a solid uh, uh, 30, 31 points ahead of Acuna, who was off to a super hot start, yep. and I really don't see him overtaking Trout again. That'd be pretty special of him if he were to do that. But just kind of seeing uh, the names that he's above, you know, he's currently just sort of leading the pack in a really big way, uh, not only in the American League, but in the whole uh, Major League Baseball. So yeah. uh, seeing Trout on top of the hill right now is obviously really encouraging to us as Angel fans, but uh, we, we just love backing the guy. We know that he's the best in baseball, and we try to, you know, highlight the ways that, you know, we kind of we kind of see that. And, and Travis, there's a lot of things we can point to as, as why he's the best right now. Currently has six home runs, which is uh, one behind the, le- the leaders. The leaders in the league are all sitting at seven. Guys like Acuna have seven. J.D. Martinez, Shohei Otani, Tatis after today. So so uh, obviously Trout's uh, power is up there with some of the best. He's walking at nearly 20% of his at-bats, which is just a massive number. I think he's leading the league in, in walk percentage among uh, people who have similar number of plate appearances. Uh, his, you know, the advanced numbers love him, of course. Uh, his defense has been above average as well. Uh, really, what can't the guy do? Uh, he's been a really big reason why the Angels have been, you know, exciting. And uh, yeah, and 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 what's I mean, so encouraging to see from you know the games we've been at is the clutch hits late too. Right. I mean, guys putting up numbers, you know, all game long and just you know, un- unbelievable. But I mean, just seeing some of those games in, in those in those late games, seventh, eighth inning the hits that he comes up with. And that's what the team really, you know, wants to see from Trout. Um, they want to see the complete package where he's going to be providing the clutch hits in the seventh and the eighth inning to, you know, and really rallying and, and keep the team winning. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Trout currently, you know, it's funny. People are kind of talking about the three true outcomes in baseball, which would be a walk, a strikeout or a home run. These kind of outcomes of an at bat that don't really involve the defense, just the pitcher and the batter. People I saw on Twitter that trending was like three true trout comes because like they're talking about how trout this season over half his at bats are like a walk, a home run or a strikeout. Currently striking out 30 percent of the time, walking 20 percent of the time and also having the second you know tie for second most home runs. Essentially, uh, it just kind of shows, you know, how his how his game is tending in that way. But like you said, situationally, we need a base hit late in the game. He can still do that as well. So it's kind of showing Definitely. how what a well-rounded guy he is uh, in the in the bigs right now. Um, I'd like to point out just some other interesting numbers uh, that we can look at. Uh, his WRC plus, which kind of tells us, you know, how good of a hitter are you, is at 261, saying that he's 261% above average of a hitter right now. And Travis, a guy we were talking about earlier, Jacob Degrom, we can take a look at his ERA plus, and that is on an absolute another level right I now wanna, i don't even want to point that one out because that that's like you're playing space with that number that he's got right now yeah so right now uh jacob de is sitting at a 1237 era plus folks that is a 1237 era plus and, and just just to kind of explain what that might mean if, if you're not if you're not following that means he's about 1200 times better than like an average era if he was at 200 ERA plus, that means he'd be like, you know, twice as good of an ERA. But we're talking about a 1200. This guy is just, you know, in another stratosphere. You know, I just love looking at these pre these early season numbers. You just kind of see these outrageous, you know, figures that aren't going to maintain. But, you know, it really just kind of shows what someone can do in a brief stretch of baseball to kind of prove how good they can be when they're on their game. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely proving that, you know, Trout and DeGrom are the elite of the elite when it comes to major league 
baseball active players right now. Right. I mean, they are on another planet. I mean, if they could get called up to another higher league, they would. I mean, they're 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 just making you right. know, today's MLB look ridiculous with the way they're playing. And so, uh, it's it, it, it's very encouraging to see the guys who have been nice kind of ruling that. the last few years continuing it to start the season. We yes. have the guys, the faces who we're used to seeing. You know, they're not, you know, taking a foot off the gas. People are trying to challenge them. You know, you got guys like Betts and Tatis and Acuna making their names for themselves. You know, Cole, Burns, Bieber, these kind of guys are swinging at the ground. But the fact that the guys who are on top are still on top is, you know, something, you know, to keep watching this season and see how long they can keep that going. Definitely, definitely. And so now, everyone, I want to get into a new segment of the show. Um, first ever uh, edition of the segment, kind of an, an update on, I guess, our betting that we did in, in Vegas. Uh, we covered the, those bets we made in the first uh, first episode of our show, actually. And I think it's going to be fitting to kind of every few weeks, every handful of weeks, we kind of go over some things that are looking up, maybe some things we can kind of, you know, see a big W coming or maybe a big embarrassing L. We want to cover some interesting stuff that, you know, as the season progresses, see how our bets are panning out uh, in real time. So I guess I'll start off. Uh, I am currently uh, liking Bryce Harper right now. Uh, if you look at his numbers, I guess maybe not like an MVP favorite by any means, but uh, in the last uh, week of baseball for Harper, he batted 500, which is you know pretty impressive for a guy who's not usually swinging for average. 13 for 26 in his plate appearances, nine runs scored, four homers in the last week, and that's uh, adds up to about four RBIs, and he also stole a bag. So I just kind of see a guy who's kind of putting up uh, some good traditional numbers uh, and. His advanced stats are also just off the rails right now. His on-base and slugging after his, you know, two-home-run performance today, uh, today being Sunday, I think he's really kind of getting hot at a good time here. The Phillies are by no means out of the NL East, and it's not like they have to win it for him to win the award. I think if his team is, you know, uh, average team, if they can you know, just kind of keep it near about an 80-win season, and if Bryce puts up, you know, the numbers that, you know, he has been putting up so far, he will definitely be in that kind of race for an NL MVP award. Um, guys like Acuna, guys like Soto, guys like Tatis, Betts, they're going to try to keep it from him. Even DeGrom, honestly, has a chance to win MVP with the way he's pitching right now. But I do think that Harper, uh, you know, betting on him to win that NL MVP is looking good for me right now. He's bouncing back in the way I thought he could after seeing his good 60-game season last year. He's being even better right now. He's been super, uh, super impressive with you know his on-base, his slugging. It's been great, um, great day for today for him. Uh, Travis, who's someone you want to highlight as sort of a bet gone right so far? Yeah, so far, I mean, I got I got a couple that have gone right, but right now I think two that have really uh, looked really good right now for the first you know month of the season. Uh, the first one is going to be JD Martinez winning the uh, the home run title for this season. Uh, right now, I think his odds before the season started were actually really favored for the the better. I right. think they were coming at 40 to 1 odds. So putting for me for putting uh putting $10 down on that bet um if it it's able to come true, I'll uh, I'll be walking away with a $400 winning. So it, it's a really nice bet because that's look, pretty much if that hits all of a sudden you're net positive for all of your bets yeah, you made. Yeah, and, and looking I think I did the math and even looking at the whole entire Vegas, you know, trip and betting, I think I even put down probably $400 total for so all my your, bets your money your money's back i if, I, I will make my money back hits. with that so if jd hits it's it's definitely a very nice hit and you know what you know he had a very disappointing 2020 but looking back at 2019 2018 even 2017 
guy hits home runs. So I think that putting him at 40 to one odds was definitely uh, a little bit of a, you know, head scratcher for for me for why you know vegas and and why some of the uh, experts put them at, at the odds like that but so far doing everything right to uh of course you know meet that home run title number uh, another guy i want to point out uh that you know i think the bet so far is looking really good is uh garrett cole to win the al cy young it's funny that this you know kind of bet and the jd martinez are completely different because the jd martinez will be you know it's either he's not or he is but when you look at Garrett Cole, this is actually you're you're almost depending on the baseball writer. So right. you could see an ERA where he might have the best ERA and the most wins, but for some re- reason, let's just say you know Bieber has unreal strikeout numbers this year, or he just you know Maybe surprises he gets the, more the voters. It could be a lot of things. Exactly. So of course, with the Cy Young, you need a little bit more help because you need to have the baseball writers also look to see is this guy the most dominant pitcher. We've seen guys in the past, you know, pitchers in the past, you know, one one name that definitely comes up that you know. I have friends in Minnesota that will always remind me. Uh, looking back at 2005, Bartolo Colon for the Angels took home the Cy Young. We all know, but you Johan look at Santana Johan Santana's numbers that season. He almost beat Johan. He almost beat Bartolo in every single stat, but they gave it to Bartolo because he had the wins and his team was. The Angels uh, were great that year. The yeah. Angels were great that year, and so it, it's it's funny how when it comes to that kind of voting and when you do that kind of betting, there's also another side of it. Uh, you know, hopefully you're you're, you're going to get lucky, and the voters, you know, get a guy in, then you can get some you get some good cash winnings on that. But right now, of course, Cole, um, actually he's tied for strikeouts right now with Degrom with 50. Of course, Cole has five starts, and Degrom has only four starts, so um, averaging about you know 10 strikeouts a game. Um, right now, currently leading the AL in WHIP, he's leading the AL in you know strikeouts per nine, and also an ERA of 1.71. So I mean, of course, looking really good. One reason I really like this one as well is he is yet to win a Cy Young, and I think the voters will be kind to him this year. I agree with that, yeah. Being second place, you know, in 2019 when he had that stellar season and Verlander just just got enough more votes to be, you know, first in that voting, I think the voters are going to look at, you know, Garrett Cole and say, man, this guy has been elite how can you not give him a Cy Young it's kind of like the, the Chris Sale thing for me no Cy Youngs for Chris Sale hopefully he gets one one day but of course he's getting older and older but right. you know I think this year of course you're going to have to you know favor Cole because he'll get a full season and he'll be in the Yankees and he, you know he's going to get wins and yeah. so I think that the voters will look at that um and you know I, I, I think they, they kind of have to be they kind of owe it to him I agree with your point on 2019 I do think that was his it was his award in the bag almost. The fact that Verlander, his his teammate, uh, put up you know equally incredible numbers, but it did feel like uh, it was really Cole's season. He was super dominant. Uh, Led I, AL in ERA, and I remember you knowing this. He didn't have a his last loss that season came in the month of May. Right, May until Game One of the World Series, I believe. Yep, was the a span of how Winning many streak? I mean, yeah, and so. Yeah, either a win or no decision in every single game. Obviously, on a really good team, helped that out. But uh, just a remarkable stretch from him. And I think the fact that Verlander was older towards the end of his career, writers probably knew it was his last chance at getting an award like this. He had a no-hitter that year. It all kind of tied into a great great story for Verlander. The award ended up going to him on a close vote. So I think Cole may have the sort of... uh, the leverage from the writers in a season like this year. I do see that bet being pretty solid for you. I guess a guy I'll go to um, for another player who I think is 
has a good chance. Uh, I guess a favorable bet for me was I kind of saw Corbin Burns coming. I really liked his 2020. I already touched on it earlier in the pod, so I'm not going to go over it too much, but I do think the way his strikeouts and walks are looking, it's super impressive. The one thing I will say is he's definitely behind DeGrom right now, and DeGrom's going to be a big obstacle in this bet hitting just because DeGrom not only uh, is have very good chance of beating him in ERA, even if Burns edges him out in ERA uh, and maybe even wins too, the thing is DeGrom will probably pitch more innings and probably have more strikeouts. DeGrom is being a workhorse right now, and his strikeouts are literally setting records. Literally, first four games set a record for strikeouts. And I think voters are going to see, you know, if DeGrom stays healthy, you know, uh, we're looking at, you know, over 300K season quite possibly. We're talking about, you know, a guy who even if his team is not, you know, we expect him to be in the playoffs, but even if they miss, you know, that's not stopped him from winning the award before. He's done it, you know, twice on a, on a losing team. So, you know, there's no there's no uh, problems there. Uh, DeGrom more than capable of stealing this award from Burns. But Burns, in terms of kind of surprise factor and in terms of odds, you know, maybe, maybe you could look at uh, Burns and DeGrom as sort of a head-to-head race right now. But the odds uh, from Vegas were heavily, you know, DeGrom being the favorite and Burns being not in the top 10 for odds. I think I kind of found a diamond in the rough. And if he sort of continues on this trend, he will be in the race towards the end of the season with, you know, a big payday for me if it ends up hitting. That'd be, I really, really hope for that. And that's that's all you can ask for. I mean, God hoping that, you know, none of these guys get injured. <laughs> right. For, for our for our money-making advantage and also for their right. team and, and for, we, you know, their we health, ne- We would never but, want that. But, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely, you know, a very, very nice pick with that because, I mean, of course, when, you, when you're doing these bets, you want to look at, you know, how can I, you know, turn, you know, this $10 bill into, you know, hundreds of dollars? Of course, with DeGrom being the clear favorite, you're not going to win too much money, but it's almost a for sure pick. Right. You can always take that route when doing the betting. But of course, you want to have, you know, a little fun and creativity in there and find kind of that, like you said, diamond in the rough that can right. you know, yield if, you a if, good if, high if, return. If, if I were to put $10 on DeGrom, it would make me, you know, it would make me like some 30 bucks. Maybe. It'd, it'd make yeah. me some money. But if I were to put 10 bucks on Burns and if he ends up winning it, uh, I'm not only making all my money back that I spent in Vegas. Hey, that's getting you two, two, two more nights. Right. You're right. I think I might pay for the next trip, honestly. That's so right. We'll, so, That's right. We'll, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, Mingo upgraded to Caesars Palace, maybe. That is a weekend I can get behind Travis. I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's good that we kind of, you know, good to wrap up our sort of updated uh, betting, uh, what we think about the bets we made. Uh, maybe we can highlight some losers next time. But I do think that, you know, uh, if some of these bets hit Travis, we are in for a payday. Fingers crossed going forwards. Um Looking forward to kind of you know catching up with this uh, these betting odds in the next coming weeks. All right, Travis. Like we like we enjoy to do on this podcast, uh, we're trying to get a little trivia a trivia going. We want I want to quiz Travis and kind of see what he what he thinks about you know some of the numbers we're seeing uh, today this season and stuff. So fire away. Someone so far that is an active player. I'll tell you that active player. Who is the only? Or I should say, I guess he's the first player in baseball history to hit 40 home runs and steal 30 bags in their first career, 162. Who is that player? They're active. I'll give you that hint. They're active. Active player. Okay. We're talking 40 homers and 30 stolen bases in their first 162. So you think about a 40-40 season as like, okay, that's like really impressive. But we're talking about, a, you know, a, pretty much a rookie you know, it's their first 162, and they're putting up, you know, 
all-star, like MVP kind of numbers. Yeah, so. yeah. So to start talking me through what you're thinking, I guess, some guys that come to your mind. I mean, right now I'll think definitely, I mean, I mean, Acuna comes to mind 100%. I think he is a very strong candidate for this. I'm going to also, surprisingly, I'm going to actually put Judge out there too. Interesting. I know Judge had 52 home runs his rookie season. I know he had a couple games in his, in his, uh, tw- I think it was 2016. He had a, a couple, I don't know how many games, maybe 26 games he had in 2016, but I know majority of his ho- home runs and, you know, games played were 2017. So I think he had 40 home runs that year. I'm trying to just think about 40 home run guys. Um, so those two guys definitely jump out to me. Um, right now, that's really all I got. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to go and swing with Ronald Acuna Jr. for me. For okay. That, for that pick right now. And it makes a lot of sense because he was in 40-40 talks uh, for the 2019 season. I think he was like a stolen base or home run shot. He was, he was right there and didn't end up getting it to happen. But actually, uh, you know, stat, stat courtesy of MLB Random Stats. Don't thanks, do this to me. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the you know, the, uh, the, the trivia that I can give my buddy Travis here. The, the correct answer is actually Fernando Tatis Jr., and it happened wow. today in his uh he, he stole a bag. So on that uh stolen bag oh, that's I should have thought about that's, that. That's man, thirty yeah. in his <laughs> that's now thirty in his career and over forty homers in his career, and he's not yet played one sixty two. Oh my god. So that, that's when actually... you're talking about a start to a career, Tatis has to be in your thought of like an all around amazing start to your career on the base paths. He's had some defensive uh qualms this year and his rookie year, but a great defensive sixty games last year. Um, playing a premier position and still putting up elite power, great contact, a pretty solid walker. Definitely. You know, what a start to Tatis' career. 40 homers, 30 stolen bases, hasn't even played a full season yet. Uh, another thing to highlight that I'm just reading on Twitter, Travis, that you may enjoy since you love kind of bagging on our the other team in L.A., the uh, the Dodger Blue. Uh, the Frogers. Travis, who do you think has the most homers in Dodger Stadium this season? And I'd like you to think about this last series. And maybe they'll give you a, a little hint. <laughs> this season, most most homers in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, because someone the someone thing I'm gonna say it's not a Dodger. And I think there's someone that hit quite a few this weekend in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I mean it's probably gonna be for me Tatis because right now he right. hit five this weekend. So he hit one tonight, two last night, two the day before. He's sitting at five homers in Dodger Stadium, and the next best is Justin Turner at three. So. Right now, Tatis has more homers in Chavez Ravine than any Dodger player, which is kind of funny. Kind of shows how hot he was this weekend. You know, all five of those coming in one series. You know, uh, just like just like Mookie Betts tonight, I am one for six on the uh, on the trivia on the trivia campaign. I so. think you're over, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll count that one right there, and that'll be one. <laughs> all right, bingo. And like we'd like to do on the podcast, Travis. Um, we're going to wrap up with a little bit of Angels talk. We, they're the team that we watch, you know, every single game, game in, game out. We we know them like the back of our hand. We're, every night through the ups and the downs. We are tracking how they're doing. Uh, currently a 500 ball club. Not exactly where we thought we would be uh, when we were talking about them last week, calling them, you know, the, you know a, a third or fifth best team in the whole MLB. Right now, 500, a rough skid. We could talk about the injuries. We could talk about, you know, any sort of pitching lapses, some unluck here or there, some bad umps here or there. But in reality, we should kind of focus on what kind of went wrong uh, that was in our control. And one thing, Travis, I want to talk about is uh, a certain guy on our roster who's been manning 1B the last few <laughs> la- last few games. Uh, any, any thoughts on him? Uh, he who must not be named. Yeah, I mean, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably will get 95 
and probably going to get higher percentage of the Hall of Fame votes when his time comes, uh, Mr. Albert Pujols. But right. For right now, um, you know, it's a little, it shouldn't say it's a little, it's it's definitely painful to watch. Uh, I don't want to say I feel sorry for the guy, but I... I mean, he's cashing a big I, check. He's we'll cashing a that. big check, and, you know, he his body is completely out of shape when you look at the rest of the roster and everyone else, what they're doing. Currently, the all-time leader in grounded into double plays in LB history. He just actually hit his 401st a couple nights ago in Houston. Travis. Um, that was every, definitely a, a, a remarkable milestone. For every that. time we see him at the plate, when there's a guy on first base and there's one out, it feels like we know what's going to happen. And it's really just not, it's just not what you really, uh, it's just such a downer in the middle of our order. It feels wrong to bet him below sixth. Like to have a guy like who we're paying sin. so much money. It's, it's a baseball to sin. bat him like seventh or eighth. So he's always batting sixth, fifth. Use those guys on base when he's up, and it's just always such a downer. He has had his moments this season. I don't want to say he's a complete, just absolute waste. He hits. He hit a homer in this. Uh, in this two homers in this Astros series. I yeah, believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right now he's sitting at four homers for the season. So he actually hit, which is three, better than I thought we'd he be. He had three home runs this week. He had one against Texas, and then he also had two against the Astros. And it's funny the Astros fans were just literally giving him booze the whole series long. I think it's because they really remember what he did to them in St. Louis. Yeah, I think and that, that was, that was a, a different guy named Brad Lidge in uh, the Ace. That was a different man. That was a different man. That series. That that was not. That's not the Albert we know. That was the what we call. That was the machine. Right. Back in the day, when you look back at his cardinal numbers, I mean, if you ever, if you haven't, guys, I would definitely look back at his cardinal numbers on you know baseball reference or something like that. It is. I mean, it is really, really impressive. Yeah. You look at a guy like Mike Trout. It's a decade of just consistently being the best at your position. You look at a guy like Mike Trout and you look at his first 10 seasons. I mean, it, it is it is up there with the greats like, you know, Willie Mays. And yeah. you look at, you know, our pools in his first 10 seasons. It is insane. I just, the one thing you do, you look at his last 10 seasons with the Angels, then that then that gets to a little bit of a hard, you know, yeah, hard, it, hard it, sight for your eyes. So Right. It, it, it just, it's just a total downer on what his career kind of started as. And right now I'm looking at his, you know, his slash line for the 2021 season so far. We're talking about a 232 batting average, a 271 on base percentage, a 446 slugging, which adds up to a 718 on uh, on base plus slugging. Uh, that's good for a 99 OPS plus. So Travis, 99 is not that bad. That's average. It's pretty much league average OPS numbers. Um, it just feels like when he's at the dish in a big moment. He actually, you know what, we're talking bad about him, but last night, or I believe it was last night, he hit a single to score a run late in the game that was really close. Of, <laughs> yes. But of course we lost that game in extras. It just feels like when he does contribute, it's at the worst times. We're either winning already, we're losing already, there's no one on base. Sometimes I feel like whenever he... Whenever, you hate to see that. I mean, Whenever he strikes out with the that. bases loaded or grounds into a double play, the next inning when he's up and there's no one on base, he'll hit a home run to cut the deficit from 6 to 5. It's like, that is just not what we really wanted. We're, we're losing by 10. We're winning by 10. He's probably going to go yard. And right. it's, it's like, why couldn't this have happened in the yeah. second inning it, when you had runners on or something yeah. like that? And, and the one thing I will say is he has very good utility in his bat on ball. Uh, kind of stats, he does not strike out very much uh, at all c- compared to other other you know e- elite players who are swinging for the fences all the time will strike out much more than Albert Pools. Um, right now, looking at his at his career margin, he is he has about twenty more walks than his career strikeout. So he could be one of those players. 
I, I don't really know how many there are. I know it's a very small class, but more career walks than strikeouts in your entire career, and especially when you have a 21-year career, that is something that is you just will, you probably won't ever see ever again. A guy like Mike Trout, one of the best, he will strike out, you know, always a hundred times a season. More than more than he'll walk. An, an, another, and, and, and that's how the hitters are today. They're going to be looking at launch angle, and they want to start hitting more X-rays, hits, and gappers. They're going to be striking out a lot more than walking, of course. Right. If you're talking about guys with over like you know a few hundred at bats in their career, Travis, that are active, there are two with more walks and strikeouts one is Luis Arez because he's only been in 140 baseball games and his walks are only four more than his strikeouts oh, wow which is interesting because he's a really good contact guy but we know that number is not going to maintain not at all no, not in this no. league this league is a strikeout league <laughs> and yes. the numbers are going to keep going up the other guy is Albert Pujols who has just put up a really unreal uh sort of career of putting bat on ball avoiding strikeouts putting the ball in play, but that's also taken a big damage on his, you know, kind of pop-outs in bad moments, his double plays that we see him grind into all yep, the time, yep. which has just always kind of been a downer for us. It's a downer, and you know what? It's it, it's a shame that, of course, you know, we have to see this as an Angel fan. Guy is going to be, yeah, like I said, I mean, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's, he's, he's cemented into, you know, baseball's Hall of Fame of the Hall of Fame class. So, uh, it, it's funny, you know, looking at some of his stats too. If there was no Barry Bonds in the early 2000s, if Barry Bonds did not exist, or if he did not play in the 2000s, right now Albert Pools could be looking at about five to six MVPs right. in his 10 year span with the Cardinals. I mean, you you really cannot see a guy like that. Mike Trout's honestly on pace for that, but just seeing that those kind of numbers, those kind of awards. It is really impressive. I mean, of course, seeing this guy, it just, of course, is is a is a down that he had such a high peak, and right now he's on such a low peak, finishing out his last uh, last year with the Angels under his contract, and you know probably will be his last season in major leagues because I really, you know, I really cannot see a team spending over a million dollars for the production that you're going to get right, right you're now. You're talking him. about a negative war in the last several seasons. Yep. I don't know I don't know where it goes from here uh, for him. It's, you have to view this as, you know, Angels have some hope here to make it pull a good season together, and you have to think that if they do half decent, he'll view it as like a victory lap. He can contribute in some small ways here and there. Maybe hit a big home run at some point. That kind of changes a, a, a important game. Maybe he can have, you know, sort of a last hurrah moment, but I don't really see where he could possibly, you know, spin his career, you know, in terms of an, a meaningful season beyond this one. I don't really see how that could happen. But anything yep, else no. with the Angels you want to kind of highlight? No, I mean, nothing else. I mean, right now we're looking at, uh, you know, kind of getting back on track and getting, you know, a winning streak. Had a nice little, you know, kind of an exciting streaky, you know, game today um, with a late comeback. And then, you know, we kind of take, um, take this winning streak to uh, Texas. And, after that last series we saw with the Texas Rangers in Anaheim um, earlier this week uh, was not pretty. We really, we, we really, you know, beat ourselves. And so, looking at this next series, I want to see, uh, I want to see Rendon and Trout back first thing. I want to see the offense back to you know its normal. And then, of course, I want to see um, the complete you know pitching staff as well as the bullpen getting back to um, the complete game. We know how to you know we know how they can face. And so, uh, really hoping they can get back on track with uh, with with this series coming up. Um, of course, the goal, I think, right now is taking two of three. Of course, I want to see a sweep. 
Um, that would be nice. That way we can get into the Seattle series, which is going to start on Friday, um, April 30th. And, uh, you know, kind of gets uh, some momentum as we head into, you know, May and, you know, exit the first month of the season. Right. Shoya Otani has a start uh, tomorrow. It's going to be on Monday. Uh, this will be out by the time that, you know, that, that start happens. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, he's been off to an electric start to the season, as, as we all know, have been talking about. Uh, at at long lengths, um, I guess that's about all I have for the Angels uh, right now. What about you, Travis? Yeah, that's everything. I mean, first uh, first away start for Shohei Otani. It will be interesting to see what he has mm-hmm. to offer with that. But um, no, yeah, I mean, rounding out the uh, the podcast next week should be a very exciting episode. Um, we're actually going to go over kind of our all MLB team uh, for the month of April and kind of starting off, you know, who makes our starting nine, our you know our our rotation for the first uh, month of the season going over kind of our awards, who right now is our NL and AL, you know, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year favorites, and then going over, you know, the power rankings we see for next week um, for the top 10 MLB. So it'll be pretty, you know, exciting, you know, kind of, you know, creative episode um, where we kind of go over, you know, who really catches our eye for the uh, the first months of the baseball season. So thank you again for joining us. And uh, anything else? Any closing remarks, Alex? No, I'm excited. It's been a really fun, it's been a fun April. Uh I'm looking forward to seeing the last week of it, you know, this coming week. Uh, you know, hope Shoya has a good start tomorrow, and I'm excited to kind of round out the month next episode and, you know, talk about our picks. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it, as always. Thanks for listening week after week, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>